Welcome to Planetary Spirit, coming to you on ETIN, Emerson Talk and Information Network. My name is Jeff Ferranini, and I invite you on an exploration of spirituality. And my guest today is Eliza Mada Dalian. Mada is a modern-day mystic, a spiritual guide, internationally acclaimed master healer, and the best-selling author of the seven-time award-winning book, In Search of the Miraculous, Healing into Consciousness. She is also the creator of the No Yes Active Meditation CD and Transcending the Fear of Death and the Unknown MP3. Above all, Mata is the founder of the Lightspeed Dalian Method for Health and Consciousness, a revolutionary new healing modality that quickly identifies and miraculously erases old beliefs and self-sabotaging imprints from the body's cellular memory. The Dalian Method helps to permanently eradicate the causes of pain and physical ailments and awaken one's innate consciousness. Through her work, Mata takes the concepts of spiritual teachers and cutting-edge scientists to a practical and immediate experience of healing and transformation. Her website is www.madadalian.com. That's M-A-D-A-D-A-L-I-A-N.com. So it is indeed a pleasure to welcome today to Planetary Spirit, Eliza Mada Dalian. This is a quote from uh, your chapter entitled Healing into Consciousness. And you say, experiencing and knowing the being has been called enlightenment, self-realization, awakening, liberation, and union with God. I call it healing into consciousness. Healing into consciousness includes both the search and the sudden movement of awakening to the truth that I am what I have been searching for. Like the phoenix that is reborn out of its own ashes, we are healed into consciousness through the fire of our destroyed ego mind. Now that's a pretty powerful statement to make. Mm-hmm. Where in your life do you base that upon? I base that on my experience. And on my own journey, and um, that's pretty much everybody's journey because we're not different. We're we're all on the same journey um, toward enlightenment, toward awakening, toward realizing that we are indeed um, what we're searching for. And of course, the journey for each person is slightly different. We travel through different terrains. But once we reach the peak of the mountain, it's the same view that we have. 
So every person who's experienced um, the awakening knows that the the light is the same. It's just the lampshades that are different and the words that different people use are different based on their own experiences. The light is always the same. Okay. And and you're also saying in another part in your book in that same chapter, in Zen, they call the search for truth the search for the original face. The original face is our pure essence before our personalities, beliefs, and conditionings covered it like layers of the onion covering its inner emptiness. Is that... Mm-hmm. Is that sort of what you're talking about, about that light? Is the light the original face, or is there some differentiation between the light and the original face? Well, the original face is the state state of consciousness that we're all um, part of. It's the center of the universe, if you will, which is the same center that exists within our own being. And in that center, there's nothing written. There's no story. That's the original space where where there's pure emptiness, there's pure silence, and there's pure consciousness. Without the story which is created by the ego. And that's basically the journey to come to realize that I am not separate, that... um, there is no I any longer. The I is just part of the identity, the ego identity that um, we're so uh, attached to or, and identified with. And once that shell drops, you realize that there is no difference. This is what Jesus said. Uh, my father and, and and I are all one. There's there's no difference between the 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 father that we imagine in our mind as somebody who is the creator and um, what's within our own capability. So the, the act of creation actually arises out of that pure silence, stillness, and consciousness. And, and once we get to realize that, suddenly all the um, problems, so to speak, drop and even the search drops because then you know that I'm already where where I, I can be. It's only here and now, and there's nothing else that exists other than this moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I also want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, you have this now Dalian healing method that you're offering to people, and you're saying that this is something that can... Um, um, uh, shorten the amount of time that we have to be in pain or or physical or emotional pain. And you also say in this chapter, Healing into Consciousness, all our physical and psychological ailments point us to where we need to focus our attention so we can transform our unconscious energy into consciousness. Usually, we believe that our pain is a misfortune that needs to be fixed. But in fact, all pain, physical, mental, and emotional, is a necessary step 
towards becoming conscious. When we try to avoid pain, loneliness, and death, we also avoid finding our eternal being. What do you mean exactly by that? This is actually a very uh, important point which is greatly misunderstood. And when, when you tell someone who is actually um, experiencing pain and is in that state of uh, doom and gloom and suffering and feels that, you know, the world is not supporting them and they're all alone, you tell them that, um, have a look, this is only a, a learning possibility for you. Many people take that um, as an opportunity to actually look inside and try to explore it and there are people and many people again that feel that you don't understand them that that you think you you you're talking from your head and um you can you don't have any compassion and an understanding to what they're going through so what we need to do my experience is that every situation is an opportunity for transformation and it all depends on our attitude, whether we look at something as an opportunity or we look at something as a, um, a problem or as a curse. So to me, with my experience working with people, every time I work with people's pain or their problems, and when we look at what causes the pain and when we work through the stories, through what they're identified with, and through basically the mind that believes the pain to be true or believes that the story is true, then suddenly there is a, almost like a light bulb comes on and the person realizes that, ah, I was just attached and identified with this, but there is a different truth that I wasn't aware of. The moment that awareness comes in, suddenly, miraculously, the pain also disappears. And I can give you a little example. Oh, For example, um, um, I worked with a man who came with, uh, he, he was suffering with asthma for 50 years. And when, when I started working with him and I worked with his chest area, basically what I do, I look at the suppressed thought forms that are in the body and through a um, specific system of breathing expression, and exhalations through the entire body and through different parts of the body, um, I help the person release what is suppressed in their energy in their body, in terms of the uh, the beliefs, in terms of the emotions, and um, the many layers of those repressed um, thoughts and feelings that they haven't been really uh, able to express and uh, live fully and also whatever they've been believing to be true. So when I worked with, with this uh, chest area, and the thought form in the chest area was, I don't want to heal. And obviously, mm. through my system, I asked, I asked them to, I mirror, basically. I mirror what's happening within the person. It's, it's, it's one of my gifts to be able to see uh, or to hear all those thought forms in the unconscious. Mm -hmm. And there's so many layers to the unconscious. And when I, when I told him to, to verbalize that out loud, he said, well, that's not true. I want to heal. I've been trying to heal, and that's why I've come to see you. I said, I understand 
that through your cognitive mind you want to heal. But just follow follow this and just please repeat, just say this out loud. The moment he said it, suddenly there was an emotional burst that came through that and tears came to his eyes and he 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 said, I see it now. It's true. I did not want to heal. As a child, I felt I didn't want to go to school. I was having a hard time in school. And uh, I created an, an illness for myself so I don't, go to, I don't go to school. And so that thought from I don't want to heal was he had an investment in it. Mm-hmm. And... The moment that was expressed, it, it almost like magically his whole body could start breathing again. And, and of course, then we need to look at the layer underneath that to why is it that he didn't want to go to school and what was the difficulty that he was experiencing. And that's how we work through different layers till we come to the place where a person realizes, I have the power to create my own life. I don't have to depend on uh, people's acceptance or rejection of me. And that's where that, the person really starts trusting themselves, starts trusting existence, starts trusting other people, and starts trusting that the universe actually takes care of me. Mm-hmm. But it's a matter of consciousness. It, mm-hmm. It's a matter of awareness. It cannot happen when somebody just, starts using positive affirmations that I'm going to trust. It, uh, when the unconscious, which is a heavy part, which is like the bottom of the iceberg that people don't see, um, you try to, to fight against that, it's a losing battle because it's a heavier part, it's a stronger part, and that the bottom of the iceberg will decide where it's going to go. And that's why it's so important for us to start going into the unconscious because the more we can transcend or transform the unconscious into consciousness, um, the easier then life will become, the lighter our body will become, therefore with, uh, less, uh, we'll experience less pain, we'll experience less illness, and through that self-empowerment, we can start becoming creative. This is where joy comes in. Sounds, we experience joy of life when we're creative. Sounds to so, me like you're talking about uh, what Carl Gustav Jung uh, also talked about, which was embracing the shadow, that these dark unconscious energies, unless we learn somehow to embrace them, to bring them into the light in order to heal them, can in fact harm us and uh, perhaps even kill us. That's right. It's absolutely right. Yeah. And it also sounds like in that illustration you just uh, presented that when he was starting to hear the truth you were presenting, his conscious mind was rebelling because it didn't feel like what he had thought was the truth. But then when he surrendered to just going through the motions with what you say, that allowed his body to then tell him the truth of what he Mm -hmm. was saying. That's right. Yeah. That's right, and the truth is in the body. The whole body is like a big brain. Our brain controls our um, uh, motor functions. It controls 
um, many things um, physically. However, the the unconsciousness is so deeply rooted in the body, and in order for somebody to awaken, their entire body needs to awaken. In other words, it's not a mental process, it's a very physical experience. And that happens once we release all the blocks that create the unconscious. Because our our energy is neutral. The energy wants to move. It's like the water. It wants to move. It needs to move it. And it finds ways to move. But because there's so many conditionings and there's so many beliefs that we're identified with, we we block the, the movement of our life force. And therefore, it's, it becomes very difficult for people to awaken to the reality, which is way beyond the physical reality that we're we're familiar with. I want people to know as well that um, this is a very nicely written book. It's not a hard book to read, very easy. Um, I, I read this book in a matter of days. Uh, it just um, it just you know flowed very easily for me. And I'll tell you, one of the parts I really liked about how you wrote this book is at the end of every chapter, you have an imaginary question and answer going on. So it's like there are, I don't know if these are people and audiences you've spoken with or how these questions came about. Yes, they're they're questions from, from people. Yeah, they feel like real questions, uh, mm-hmm. like somebody was saying, you know, this is important to me in, in my life, even though in a general manner it could apply to a lot of people. Um, here, let me just read one. I find it hard to avoid the distractions of the world and stay focused on my healing journey. How can I stay committed to my inner work while working and raising a family? Now, that's a question that I think a lot of people have. And, mm-hmm. and you know, you go on and, and really answer that question, uh, you know, con- at considerable length. But, so, I, I like that, that you're giving us information, but at the same time, you're also kind of giving us real-world uh, questioning with, you know, how do I make this apply in my life on a daily basis? You know, how do I come off the mountaintop and get behind the wheel of my car and drive in Boston traffic and stay in that enlightened state? Because that's really, that's the question most people want the answer to. Mm-hmm. So let's also go to... um Another part in this book where you say uh, there's seven stages in the healing journey, and you kind of equate that with preschool, elementary, high school, undergraduate, university, graduate university, Ph.D. student, and finally, professor. So could you just kind of walk us through the seven stages of the healing journey and what we would be looking for along those lines? Absolutely. Basically, the healing journey starts from the moment that we have the ego awareness. And um, until we have the awareness of the ego, it's it's mechanical. So we go to um, kindergarten, so we obviously depend on our parents and 
whatever environment we're growing in, we get uh, our first imprints and first learning, um, quote-unquote, happens through the environment that we grow up in. And, of course, we're absolutely unconscious of who we, who we are. We're unconscious of ourselves. So we're learning, the first learning starts about, um, we start learning about the world from our parents, from, the, from our uh, environment. So that's sort of like the, um, um, the first stages of the ego's development. And based on what happens um, at, at the time of our birth, during our um, early years, will determine what kind of imprints will our ego mind um, start developing. And obviously, if we are wounded at this time, uh, then our consciousness will start, it, it will get blocked in a way that it wouldn't have an opportunity to develop and to grow. And um, then we move to, um, to, as we grow older, then we start going to school, we obviously learn about the social, there's something, we expand our consciousness, we start uh, seeing that there's other people around us and what we necessarily think is not, um, uh, not absolutely uh, complete, there's something else beyond our scope of vision, and again, here we can either feel part of that expansion or we can continue staying wounded and staying afraid, um, depending on our attitude, then the, the layers of the unconscious start uh, accumulating and we start repressing more of our feelings and our thoughts and our emotions, and this is how we start, again, accumulating those layers of the, what I call the wounded ego. And um, if we have a positive outlook and we have a, a welcoming um, social environment, then obviously we move through that a lot easier and we start being curious about ourselves, about self-exploration, and then as, as we... Um, depending to where we get to based on our initial imprints, then obviously sooner or later we start experiencing some kind of pain, whether emotional or physical. And that moves us to um, the third stage of uh, the ego's uh, development and development of consciousness. And what happens um, as the body gets older and we start experiencing some physical problems, then obviously the first um, thing that we we think in our collective um, mind is we, we want to fix something. We want to to um, uh, make sure that we don't experience that pain. And, uh, of course, in, in our first attempts, we try to fix things through medication. We go to the doctors, and then we slowly realize that there's something more to it. And many times, uh, pain doesn't even show us that there's anything physically wrong. So doctors get uh, often surprised at why people are experiencing pain because when they do tests, there's nothing wrong with them physically. And this is where then we start looking at alternative ways of 
um, healing our, our pain until we start realizing that it's not only physical. So then we move to the next phase where we realize there must be something in my mind and in my emotions and there's something that is contributing to my physical state of uh, well-being. And this is where the consciousness starts developing simultaneously with the ego. And uh, again, we always have two choices. There's, there's, there's always two major groups in uh, human consciousness. Is the group that is more positive and more uh, looks at a challenge as an opportunity, and the group that looks at a challenge as um, as a misfortune. And of course, when we look at, at the challenge as a misfortune, we stop developing our consciousness and we stay stuck in that ego state. And when we look at a, 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 any a challenge as an opportunity, then we can look at deeper ways to how we can become conscious. And of course, consciousness requires exploration. It requires looking in. It requires understanding and as more understanding grows and we start um, you know at, at that phase where we, we want to explore more this is where the self-help uh, books come in and um, inner transformation workshops come in meditation comes in and uh, this is where slowly the person starts understanding that I have to take responsibility for my own journey, for my own state of well-being. And this is a very crucial and a very important point because this is the point where the person then starts coming closer to their inner power, to, to their inner state of wisdom, to their inner state of knowing. And... Um, focuses on meditation on introspection and then once that's very sincere and authentic and sincerity is very very important on the journey of spiritual transformation we need to be honest with ourselves and we cannot really um you know avoid looking at our fear we cannot look avoid looking at um things that normally would cause us to feel pain. And the ultimate agony, um, actually, have, uh, experience of agony happens when the person is starting to take responsibility for themselves. They start realizing the agony that is created by the ego. And many times people come to this place and they stop. They don't want to uh, go any further because truly realizing all the things you've done wrong and realizing that you've been responsible for everything you've been judging and blaming and pointing a finger to becomes very painful. But it's an absolutely important transition point for the person to go through. And if the person takes the courage to go through that and is honest enough with themselves, then they, they, they cross that very important threshold where then existence starts coming forward and saying, okay, you've, you've passed your test. Now you can have an experience. Because that experience of enlightenment is like a gift from the universe. It cannot be created through the mind. And, of course, once the person has that experience, you know, um, to have, to come to, to cross that threshold, this is the place, this is the point where, where 
um, having um, a, a master who has passed through that and uh, someone who has the methods to help you and has the strength to hold your hand, um, it's very essential. And traditionally, the, this, this has been spoken of in many traditions that uh, in this point, for a true seeker, um, they need they need someone who can take them through that fear of death and survival. And once once you go through that, once you cross that that um, once you face your fear of death and realize that it's an illusion, that's where you then become a. a you become a master in your own right, and you are able then to help other people on their journey. So this is this is uh, I, I didn't quite name each phase. Yeah, but that's this is fine. Pretty much the story. That's fine. The story and, and, of our transformation. No, that's great. Thank you for that. And we're going to take a short break now. So I hope you'll stay on the line and stay with us, Mada. Yes, I'm here. Okay, please stay on the line. We're going to take a short break now. Okay. Absolutely. Thank you, Jeff. Okay, you're quite welcome. And I just want to remind everybody, you're listening to Planetary Spirit. This is Jeff Firanini, and we're talking today with my guest, Eliza Matadalian, who is the author of In Search of the Miraculous Healing into Consciousness. And her website is matadalian.com. That's M-A-D-A-D-A-L-I-A-N.com. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Sacred vibration 
Welcome back to Planetary Spirit. This is Jeff Fiorinini, and we're talking today with my guest, Eliza Mata Dalian, who is the author of In Search of the Miraculous, Healing into Consciousness, and her website is matadalian.com. That's M-A-D-A-D-A-L-I-A-N.com. And you just listened to One and the Same, which is the title of the CD, and that was the cut, the title cut, One and the Same, by Phil Boynton. So, welcome back, Mata. Hello, Jeff. Okay. I wanted to begin um, this part by, again, reading something from your book, and this is on the um, chapter entitled The Development of the Ego. People and situations always show us what we need to see and learn about ourselves. And when we take responsibility for our own feelings, how others treat us also changes. But then you go on to say, You cannot transform anger or any other negative emotion into love, peace, and joy through control. To transform any negative motion, emotion into a positive one, you need to accept your feelings and watch the sensations that arise in your body as a result. If you continue observing your feelings of anger, the energy of anger will eventually transform into inner joy and peace simply by watching. So, as I'm reading your book, uh, In Search of the Miraculous Healing into Consciousness, one of the key points that I got out of this is that this energy of watching is very much tied into the energy of surrender. And that as we learn to surrender and also become the observer There's a healing energy that seems to take over almost naturally and starts to provide our bodies with the balance we have been seeking. Does that sound sort of right? 
Absolutely. Through surrender is how we're letting go of control, is how we're letting go of our um, ego mind, is how we're letting go of our desires and expectations. So the moment we, we surrender, we're saying, and surrendering doesn't mean giving in. It simply means letting go. And the moment we let go uh, of our control, we let go of um, per- pursuing our our own will, and we say that if this is what's happening, I trust that uh, I trust existence, I trust God, I trust the universe. That there must be something in it for me to learn and understand. And in, in that surrendering, in that um, letting go, we're more able to accept and accept the situation. And through acceptance, we're able to disidentify from the situation a little bit more. And of course, in order to do that, we we do need to start cultivating our inner witness. And what I mean by inner witness is the part of us that is capable of observing, that actually always observes everything that comes and goes, that there is an awareness in us that, or, or I, I like to call it consciousness, there's a consciousness in us that realizes that everything is temporary, everything is um, comes and everything goes. So nothing I can hold on to. Nothing in life is permanent. The more we start putting the focus on our inner observer or the inner witness, the, the more we start coming closer to that peaceful place that recognizes that the only permanence in life is this ability to observe whatever comes and goes. And with that, naturally, there's, there's a, a feeling of peace that arises. There is a feeling of um, relaxation that arises naturally. So if we're in, in anger and we're reacting to something, um, if we start watching the anger as something that it, it, it comes and goes, that's number one. And also looking at anger at, okay, I'm feeling angry about the situation. Why am I feeling angry? We always need to start questioning our own feelings and emotions. And if we start questioning, we'll start realizing that there is something that causes the anger to arise. And once we understand that I'm either becoming angry because I feel that my voice is being repressed, I'm not able to live myself authentically, and I'm being controlled, then obviously there is a part uh, in us that realize that, uh, okay, I need to start going into my power, but how do I do that? What is stopping me from being in my power? What are the weaknesses within myself that are not allowing me to be in my power? What is it that I'm not aware of that I'm giving away my power and then I'm getting angry? And um, so so this way, once we start exploring each and every emotion with questioning to why this emotion is there, why this pain is there, what does it have to teach me? And with that attitude of, of questioning and exploration, 
you'll be surprised to how many uh, insights that you can have. And through those insights is how you start expanding your consciousness, you start expanding your energy, and at the same time, start finding that inner peace, that everybody's wanting that peace, but they don't know how to get there because they're trying to get to the inner peace by by stopping the mind. What, what I'm saying is we need to use the mind to question in the right direction, in the right way. Mm. This way, the mind can actually help us instead of be uh, the barrier that we have to struggle with. Or being the adversary that we have to fight against. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm noticing, too, that... Um, I just want to I just want to make the comment that you know I found this book in search of the miraculous healing into consciousness. I, I really found this book. Um, I I felt like why is this kind of information not being taught in the school system? This to me is the kind of information that every human being on the planet needs to uh, have in their conscious awareness of what the real game of life is about. And the way that you kind of unfold this by looking at the ego, looking at the different uh, energy bodies, the chakras and things of that way, uh, looking at the five characteristics of thought, uh, looking at the um, energy around uh, surrender, uh, you're you're using words that most of us are familiar with, and the concepts are not that far out or foreign. So it feels like something familiar that we can kind of grasp our minds around. And I I appreciate the clarity with which you write about these subjects that for, you know, a good amount of people in the general public would probably shy away from. But I feel that the way that you've put them together here in this book, it's something that I think a lay person, just a regular, ordinary human being who's not a spiritual, um, you know, adept or monk or somebody— could really pick this up and and gain some insight from as to what their life really is about. And I feel that a lot of people nowadays are really wanting to look at how can I go deeper in my understanding of what this life is about. Is it just about nine to five and then living for the weekend and having a family, or is there something more? And I think that your book really helps to outline that something more and in a fairly clear and concise manner. So I just want to thank you for that. Well, I I thank you, Jeff, and and I love you for saying that Um, You know, it it needs to be in the education system because this is what I keep on saying, that this kind of um, understanding, this kind of information absolutely needs to come into the education system because if it was a part of education system, then then we could create a more balanced um, humans 
that would actually understand themselves, understand others instead of compete with each other, instead of, you know, um, try to um, override somebody else's uh, ways. And so for people to understand that, that each of them, for children and youth to understand that each one of them has the unique gift and they don't need to be like anybody else. All they have to do is look inside so they can find their own uniqueness, their own gift, and live it fully. Because each person living their own authentic self, their own gift fully, is how each person is going to be happy. And and with with each individual coming to that inner happiness is how we're going to uh, ripple those vibrations of happiness collectively. Because right now, nobody knows who they are, what they're doing. They know that they want to find their purpose. They, they want, they're, they're searching for it, but they don't even know how to find it, where to look. And people recognize that there is something not, not right with my life. I'm not really enjoying it because there's something missing. Well, because we haven't really brought this kind of information into our education system. Mm-hmm. And, and when I was writing the book, actually I was trying to create the, the, the journey as, as a step-by-step map so that people can understand where they are and understand that there's other steps that they need to go through and understand that there is there is that ultimate step that they can come and they can experience so that there's not a feeling of I'm at a loss, I don't know where I'm headed, I don't know wh- what I need to do because so many people are, are, are lost. And as a matter of fact, when I was doing when I was on my own search, I knew, okay, I'm, I'm wanting, I'm uh, focusing, I'm doing all this meditation and looking in. I want to become enlightened. But then even understanding that the, the, the process of the mind, how the mind itself creates the tension inside, you know, and, and what would be the steps that I need to recognize that I have missed along the way. Um, and those steps that we miss along the way, are very crucial because that's what uh, makes the journey, prolongs the journey, or, or creates all those stumbling blocks. And um, this is where I'm so excited about my method as well because it helps people to go through those missing steps very quickly by releasing what's been repressed in the energy in terms of those beliefs and uh, unlived thoughts and emotions. Well, let's take a, let's take a, a, a time now and uh, just open up the phone lines here at 617-824-8100. If you have a question or a comment, you'd like to uh, join in the conversation today with my guest, Eliza Mata Dalian or Mata, uh, then call us here at 617-824-8100. But, you know, Mata, I wanted to ask you exactly what you were just alluding to which is um, could you talk oh could you talk a little bit about um, what the uh, Dalian uh, method is exactly and how does that help to permanently eradicate the causes of pain and physical ailments and awaken one's innate consciousness well the method goes into the unconscious looks at identifies those repressed um, thoughts, beliefs, 
emotions, looks at uh, the, first of all, um, tries to focus on what is the cause of whatever the problem the person is experiencing. And the cause is usually always in the unconscious. And the, the, there are layers under layers in order to come to that root cause. And what the method does basically starts peeling away those layers of the unconscious thoughts and emotions that are in the body, and they're everywhere in the body, and there's many times contradictory thoughts and emotions that are stored in different parts of the body. Mm. So it works with the entire body, it works with the, with the mind, with the emotions and the spirit all at the same time. And through a system, it um, releases all those thought forms. Uh, I keep repeating this, but that's basically what creates the problem, those, those thought forms and mm-hmm. beliefs. Mm-hmm. Once it's released, the consciousness is within us. The consciousness is like the sun that, that is within each, every, each and every person. And um, the only problem is that people don't realize or don't, they don't have access to it simply because there's so many clouds of thoughts that are preventing, that are covering the sun. So this method goes through the clouds very quickly, releases the clouds, and gives the person that glimpse of of inner consciousness and inner stillness. Many times when I'm working with people, they're people who have never meditated in their life, and suddenly within a very short um, session, they, they get to experience that inner stillness that they read in the books, and, and they go, aha, now I understand what presence is. Mm. And with that glimpse, then it becomes easier for the person to continue the work, and they get excited. They get very encouraged that, okay, now i found a way. And as a matter of fact, um, uh, I don't know how much time we have. Well, we got but, about 10 more minutes. Okay. Um, it reminds me of, of a little story with my niece, and she's, she was nine years old a couple of years ago when um, I visited them in L.A. And um, my brother said that she's hyperactive, she's very, um, you know, w- we need to calm her down, and so we're taking her to a yoga classes, and that's helping a little bit. And I said, well, let's, let's try something. And she was open, and I said, okay, we're going to do a little gibberish meditation. And gibberish, basically, you just make sounds, and you, you say words you don't, you don't know. So you speak in a language you don't know. So, so I got her to do this gibberish for five minutes, and I said, now sit down and just look inside and just follow your breath and see the breath going in and the breath going out. So she did that for five minutes, and after that, I said, okay, uh, tell me how you feel. And she was so calm, and she was so, she was like, okay, I don't need to, to run anywhere. She, mm. she said, I, felt, I feel great. Mm. And a month later, I, I was talking to her on the phone, and I said, are you doing your meditation? And she said, well, I do it whenever I need. So I said, what, what, uh, tell me, so uh, what do you feel inside? differently when you're doing it. Well, she said, when, when, when I do it, when I, when I did it with you that day, she said, I realized that there is something inside me that is always peaceful. <laughs> and she said, now I know that whenever I need to feel that 
peace. I can do this meditation and I can feel it. Wow. And and not only that, she says, uh, well, my friends are noticing it and they're they're telling me that 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 you've changed. Hmm. So that awareness, and you know, c- coming from a child, it's such a precious and so, such an important awareness. And this is basically what's missing in our education system. If children can start having that experience, that there is a place inside that is always peaceful, mm-hmm. this is how mm-hmm. then they know, okay, I, there is a way that I can come out of the mind, I come, come out of this um, hyperactivity all around me and find that inner peace, find that place. Now, it sounds to me like this Dalian uh, method uh, is something that you uh, have created and you are uh, the one who uh, is um, instructing people how to work with this. Have you gotten to the point yet where you're able to train others how to actually do this also? Um, as a matter of fact, many people have been asking me to train them. And um, I've, been, I've been looking at that. However, what I feel, what I felt was more important is to create uh, this method in a way that people can use it for themselves on their own. Oh, boy. Wow. And I have succeeded. Uh, I've experimented with it, and um, as a matter of fact, I'm almost um, through with my second book, and it will come with the, with the book and uh, CD set, where the CD will actually guide them uh, through the process, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, people can basically use this method on their own, uh, and the book will teach them how to identify those repressed thought forms. Mm. in their own body, mm-hmm. how to work with it, mm-hmm. and um, through through the guidance on, on the CD, basically I'll be guiding them um, in a, a general way how I would work with someone. Um, and I've, it's been incredible. Many people who've, who've done it, pretty much everybody who's gone through the um, pilot pro, uh, process mm-hmm. of experiencing the self healing of, of my method has had a, a profound experience and a profound sense of transformation. So it does work and I'm very excited about it and um, as soon as it's ready, I'd love for us to uh, maybe talk a little bit more about that at a, at a, a later date. Oh, I would I, that. I Yeah, would, because... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Because I feel... Now, now is the time, and we're ready collectively to start taking the step of taking that responsibility for our own transformation. Mm. And many people mm. have tried so many things already, so there is already an awareness what they they need to do for themselves. And this method is coming at the time where I feel consciousness is ready to receive it and work with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you. You really have kind of blazed a trail here because, you know, with this book, In Search of the Miraculous, Healing into Consciousness, you really have uh, just laid out uh, the steps one needs to take in order to um, 
raise oneself up into a higher consciousness uh, awareness. And I like this quote that uh, Deepak Chopra uh, has on the front of the book. I enjoyed reading Mata's book. It is the ring of authenticity and offers a simple and elegant map of the path of enlightenment. And that, of course, is by Deepak Chopra. So he talks a lot about, um, in his book, uh, The Seven uh, uh, Steps of... uh, No. Oh, I forget the name of the book. It's something seven. But anyway, he talks about the gap between thoughts. And that's what you seem to talk a lot about as well, as where the peace seems to emanate from. Mm -hmm. That's that's basically the place of stillness that um, the mystics talk about. And uh, that's the place of stillness and silence that... um, Eckhart Tolle was talking about and talks about, um, that's the place of self-awareness, um, the observer becoming the observed, uh, as Krishnamurti talks about, and um, of course Osho has volumes and volumes talking about that state of uh, inner stillness. So yes, and it happens within the, in that gap between the incoming and outgoing breath. And that's why with my method, breathing is absolutely, the the system of breathing is absolutely crucially important. And um, with with the inhalation, expression and expression and exhalation um, and in a specific system, and that's what works. It's not an accidental um, sort of method. It's developed based on my experience with people, working with, with people for 15 years, and, and also understanding that we absolutely need to bridge the gap between our frontal lobe and the occipital lobe and between the left and right brain. So basically what this method does, it balances um, the four areas, the four hemispheres of the brain, and, and brings the person's consciousness into the middle, if we describe it in the physical terms. Mm. So, um, and and in order for that to happen, the whole body needs to be involved. Otherwise, we stay in the mind. And in order for consciousness to penetrate into the body, we need to work absolutely with the entire body. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, that's fascinating. If you can get all four hemispheres of the brain or... Uh, the north, west, south, and east all to uh, balance out. Uh, that's very exciting. That also sounds like that's where mysticism meets uh, science. science. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. I think that's kind of where the future seems to be headed anyway as well. Well, I just want to tell you, uh, thank you so much for uh, spending this time with me on Planetary Spirit and being my guest today. Uh, this has really been quite a pleasure. Thanks so much, Jeff. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And my guest, <laughs> go ahead. Thank you for your wonderful um, questions, and um, thank you for uh, the wonderful endorsement of the book. So uh, I do appreciate it very much. Absolutely. Well, you have uh, you have a wonderful day. 
And my guest today on Planetary Spirit has been uh, Eliza Mata Dalian, who is the author of In Search of the Miraculous Healing into Consciousness. And her website is matadalian.com, which is M-A-D-A-D-A-L-I-A-N.com. And coming up, my guest will be Rico Paganini, who will be calling in from Switzerland, who is an explorer and an author, and his book is entitled Giza Legacy, Expeditions into the Mysterious Realms of the Pyramids and the Sphinx, a key to both our origin and our future. So stay tuned for that. And if you're enjoying this program and would like to access past interviews, go to planetary-spirit.com for on-demand archives of past shows, where recent interviews are now available on the Planetary Spirit website. And while there, be sure to sign up for the email list to receive monthly updates for who my upcoming guests will be, as well as the quarterly newsletter. And so, this is Jeff Ferranini of Planetary Spirit, wishing you a blessed day. <laughs> 